Good evening. Welcome to tonight's live and interactive telephone town hall. Tonight, I am joined by the Alberta Pension Plan public engagement panel, including panel chair Jim Dinning and panel members Mary Ritchie and Moyen Yaya. Before we hear from our speakers, let me explain by how let me explain how this town hall will work. Right now, residents from across central Alberta are connecting to the call, and soon you will have a chance to join the conversation. You can get in line to join the conversation right now or at any time by pressing star three on your phone and you'll be connected to an operator who will ask for your name and community. If you don't feel comfortable sharing your comments live, you can tell the operator that you'd like to have the moderator read it for you. We hope to use this time to have a two-way conversation about the Alberta Pension Plan. The panel wants to hear your ideas and your suggestions, as well as answer any questions that you may have. Now, I would like to welcome Jim Dinning, Chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel to share a few opening remarks. Thank you, Colin, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our fifth town hall meeting. My name is Jim Dinning, and for 20 years, I served in the Alberta government as a public servant, then as a member of the Alberta Legislative Assembly and a cabinet minister until 1997. Today, I'm in business and serve on various corporate and not-for-profit boards of directors. We're joined tonight by my fellow panelists, both of whom are from Edmonton. Mary Ritchie is a respected chartered accountant and corporate director. Mary was Alberta's first nominee to serve on the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, their board of directors. And Moin Yaya is a respected law professor at the University of Alberta and served on the government's Fair Deal panel. And it was that Fair Deal panel that got us here. They recommended the government examine an Alberta pension plan. So the government did. They commissioned an independent study from a Toronto-based pension expert called Morneau Chappelle, now known as LifeWorks, to crunch the numbers and see if Alberta, see if an Alberta pension plan could actually work. The government released their report a few weeks ago and at the same time created our independent panel to listen to Albertans and report back on what we heard. Now I left government and politics a quarter of a century ago. And even when I was a politician, I cared actually more about public policy than politics. And that's why I agreed to chair this panel because for something this big, it's, it's, some, it's important to have a rational adult discussion these days, there probably aren't enough of those, so we want to have one here. For some people, this whole idea of an Alberta pension plan is a non-starter. No matter what, the answer is no, full stop. I get that. For other people, the answer is yes, no matter what. More Alberta, less Ottawa, they say. I get that too. But for many people, the answer is maybe. Maybe, but it just depends. And that is why we want to hear your comments tonight. Since we began our engagement process in October, we've had some events. Uh, one was uh, there's been plenty of debate about the number, the value of the assets that would come from the Canada Pension Plan to an Alberta Pension Plan if there was to be one. 
A few days ago, Premier Smith announced that Albertans will have a hard number before they're asked to vote in any kind of a referendum about an Alberta pension plan. And then within the last three weeks, the federal government said it would ask Canada's chief actuary to estimate and provide their opinion on what Albertans' share of CPP assets is. No doubt that will not be the final number. There's still plenty of debate and negotiation to be done, but at least we will have a second actuarial calculation on the table because so far, the only actuarial study that's been done is the Morneau-Chapelle report. So there is more to come on that front. But beyond the number, there's still plenty more to talk about. And that's why Mary and Moyne and, and I are here to listen to you tonight. We're not here as advocates. We're here as listeners. We try to be good listeners. We want to answer less questions and hear more from, your, from you about your comments, your views, your concerns on the other important issues, because in the end, you are the jury. Our job is to tell the government, here is what Albertans told us, these are their thoughts and concerns, and then it will be up to the government to decide how to proceed. So I'm gonna turn it over now to my fellow panelists, first to Mary Ritchie. Mary? Thank you, Jim, and hello, everyone. My name is Mary Ritchie. In terms of background, my formal training is as a chartered accountant. And over the years, I've provided advice to many public and private companies, particularly regarding financial oversight and auditing. As Jim mentioned, I also had the privilege of serving on the first board of the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, which was created in 1997 to manage the assets of the CPP. So I bring a unique perspective to this, having seen and experienced how the CPP funds are managed right from its beginnings. I know from experience how crucial it is for people's pension assets to be managed well. So that's an area where we really hope to gain insight from you tonight. If Alberta left the CPP and started an Alberta plan, there would be a huge pension fund to manage. I know people have different views about the size of Alberta's share, but regardless of the exact number, it would be significant. So a big question is, how would Albertans want this managed? What should the oversight look like? How do you balance independence with accountability? And what kind of mandate would be best? The CPP Investment Board has a mandate to achieve a maximum rate of return without undue risk of loss. Quebec does something similar with their plans, but they also allow their pension fund to be used to stimulate economic development in Quebec. Is that a model to consider? We really look forward to your feedback on this as we will use it to develop our recommendations. So if you have some thoughts on this, please press star three to let us know. And with that, I will turn things over to Moyen Yaya. Uh, thank you, Mary. Uh, so as Jim mentioned, I was uh, one of uh, the original uh, Fair Deal panel members. We were asked by the Premier at the time, Jason Kenney, to look into various ways that Alberta could strengthen its position within Confederation. 
one of the items that was uh, that we were asked to look at was the question of whether Alberta should set up its own pension plan. We heard various opinions on the subject. There was strong opposition from many. There was also a lot of support from various uh, groups that presented their opinions to the Fair Deal panel. Looking at the overall response, the Fair Deal panel decided that it in and of itself did not have enough information to recommend a strong yes or a strong no, but recommended to the government that it should look into the question. It should examine the costs and benefits of setting up a provincial pension plan, and it should do further consultation with Albertans and recommended ultimately a referendum as the means for uh, seeking that ultimate approval if the government chose to move in that direction. So the first part is what the government has done with the LifeWorks uh, or Morneau Chappelle study that uh, Jim mentioned. And now we are in the process of gathering your views on what, uh, if anything, should be done with an Alberta pension plan. Just very briefly, I should mention that uh, constitutionally speaking, Alberta has the right to set up its own pension plan. And that was the route Quebec took when, back in the 1960s when adopted out of the Canada Pension Plan. Notwithstanding that, the Canada Pension Plan Act has a formula and a process by which a province or any province can exit the Canada Pension Plan. And that uh, process includes this formula that I mentioned, that Jim mentioned, that Mary mentioned, that sets out how much each province or the province opting to exit would get upon the exit. That formula uh, seems uh, clear to some and seems controversial to others, and uh, the LifeWorks study has given us a number, and as Jim mentioned, now the federal government has undertaken to give uh, or to create its own number or come up with its own number. So uh, we are now at the stage of just uh, trying to get a sense of what it is that is important to you, the Albertans who are going to be affected by this uh, pension plan. And with that, uh, I look forward to listening to your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, Moyen, and thank you to the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel for their opening remarks. For those of you who may have just joined, welcome to tonight's Telephone Town Hall about the Alberta Pension Plan. Joining us this evening are panel chair Jim Denning and panel members Mary Ritchie and Moyen Yaya. If you would like to join the conversation right now or at any time during the town hall, press star three in your phone and you will be entered into the queue. For those of you listening online, please enter your comment directly into the portal. To start the conversation tonight, the panel would like to ask a quick poll question. For those of you joining by phone, I will now direct your attention to your keypad. After I ask the question, please choose the answer by selecting the corresponding number on your phone keypad. Please listen to all the answers before you make your selection. For those of you listening online, you'll see the poll on the portal and you can choose your answer directly there. Our first question for tonight is, what concerns you most about an Alberta pension plan? Press one for how the asset fund will be managed. Press two for whether my pension will be lower than CPP. Press three for whether my pension will follow me if I move in and out of Alberta. Or press four for I do not yet have enough information. Again, those answers are press one for how the asset fund will be managed, press two for whether my pension will be lower than CPP, press three for whether my pension will follow me if I move in and out of Alberta, or press four for I do not yet have enough information. 
Thank you for those responses. I'd like to take this opportunity to open the conversation with a question that comes in from Liz, who's listening online. How will the Alberta government guarantee that my present pension will not de de decrease with an Alberta pension plan? And I will direct this question towards Jim. Well, thank you, Liz. Uh, fair question. The, the Canada pension plan legislation requires that a province that leaves the CVP uh, must provide a pension payment, pension uh, pay a pension that is equal to or better than the Canada Pension Plan. So it is written in the transition legislation that that uh, that Alberta may not, if they went ahead with such a plan, to um, to pay uh, pay anything but the current rate or better. Uh, so I hear your concern, Lise, and we'll make sure that uh, we address that in our report so that you are assured that, uh, that, that your current rate, your current amount would not go down. Thank you for that, Jim. Uh, the panel would now like to ask a second poll question. For those of you joining by a phone, I will now direct your attention to the keypad. After I've asked the question, please choose your answer by selecting the corresponding number on your phone keypad. Please listen to all the answers before you make your selection. For those of you listening online, you will see the poll on the portal and you can choose your answer directly there. Our second question for the evening is, what interests you the most about an Alberta pension plan? Press one for the possibility of lower pension premiums for large paychecks. Press two for the possibility of higher pension payments for seniors. Press three for having our pension assets and options under Alberta's jurisdiction, and press four for the possibility of spin-off jobs and a stronger financial sector. Again, press one for the possibility of lower uh, pension premiums for large paychecks. Press two for the possibility of higher pension payments for seniors. Press three for having our pension assets and options under Alberta's jurisdiction and press four for the possibility of spin-off jobs in a stronger financial sector. Thank you. The results from these quick polls will be reflected in the panel's final report. Now let's get to our first caller of the evening. Uh, I have Ernie and Isbell. Uh, Ernie, go ahead, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Good evening. My concern first has to do with the many thousands of low-income seniors and the $10,000 top-up and monthly increase in benefits. Danielle, the government, the ads, your website, et cetera, have all been promoting. Here's some numbers from a real T1. A senior who makes $20,000 will have to pay $1,000 in provincial and federal income tax the year after they receive the $10,000 top-up. I don't know many low-income seniors who have that extra $1,000. They'll also have their guaranteed income supplement canceled and their Alberta seniors benefit, meaning that $10,000 top up is now worth $3,000 after year two. And then in year three, if they still exceed the GIS threshold because of the increased in monthly benefits mentioned, they'll be in the red by about $6,000 in every year after that. Finally, a lot of Alberta seniors live in subsidized housing and they'll see their rent go up as it is based on their total income. And the other question I have has to do with the, uh, uh, the numbers in uh, Appendix 2 there. 
basically, it doesn't talk about the 35,000 temporary foreign workers and over 100,000 interprovincial worker contributions to the CPP and the withdrawals from it and how it's calculated. It also doesn't talk about the $35,000 35,000 military, RCMP, federal employees, spouses, and many others posted to and from Alberta. Many of these temporary workers will not retire in Alberta. And the numbers in, in column three of that, that great appendix of yours on page 48 and 49, it doesn't include those figures that are now counted towards the province where these people retire. Those are my concerns. Moin, do you want to take a stab at, at uh, the first part of that? Uh, I'll take a stab at the second part. Uh, maybe okay, go ahead. Um, uh, I, I think uh, the LifeWorks uh, report uh, used uh, sort of an estimate of uh, people coming in and people coming out. So it averaged. Uh, so in other words, it's taking into account that there is uh, uh, workers who are paying in here and then might be retiring. Elsewhere, and they're doing that by uh, sort of the net um, incoming pay payments and then the net outgoing payments. So they're kind of using an averaging of the past uh, trends. Uh, so we know how much we're Albertans uh, who are present are paying every year, and we know how much Albertans uh, present are receiving. And so uh, if there are folks coming in and coming out, that will be reflected in sort of the average payments in the past. So that's how, because uh, what we're trying to do, or what the LifeWorks is trying to do in this report. Uh, is not necessarily predict the future, but rather try to look at the asset buildup in the uh, CPPIB fund and say how much, based on the past uh, 60 years, of that is uh, Alberta belongs to Alberta under the CPP Act. So that's I think uh, how you can use the uh, net net payments, how much we how much they Albertans paid out uh, or into the fund, and how much was paid out from the fund back to Albertans, and based on that difference the uh, LifeWorks report was able to estimate uh, Alberta's uh, share. I should just note that military and RCMP most likely would continue to be on the CPP because they're considered federal, uh, they would be considered federal employees uh, and so they would uh, not enter into the calculation uh, regardless. Uh, in terms of the other part, perhaps Jim or Mary, uh, you might have a comment. Well, man, let me just take a stab at it, if, if I may, Ernie. Uh, your your comments about a ten thousand dollar top up. Uh, I'm not sure where that number came from, but and is and is Ernie still on the line with us, Colin? He is. Okay, Ernie, can you just is the, I, what I hear? I think is your concern that if additional income comes and trips trips a senior into a different or a higher tax bracket, the concern being that that they'll they'll end up effectively paying two more taxes and uh any any top up will get eroded is, is that a fair concern that you have ernie no it has to do with the uh the cutoff for people on guaranteed income supplement from the federal government and also the alberta seniors benefit which is a higher cutoff mm -hmm. but again so mm -hmm. basically the cutoff for the gis is about twenty one thousand dollars so, uh, and also most seniors at that level don't pay income tax, but now if they get $30,000, when you do the math, uh, they're going to owe $400 to the province and another $600 to uh, to the feds. 
Uh, and the same thing that applies to the oh. Alberta seniors benefit, it'll be cut down to $4 a month. That's what they'll be getting. And that $10,000 sure, sure. is on your website. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, there, there's no, there's no guarantee of any kind of top up. The question is, would seniors want an additional uh, amount paid to them or not? And, and so let me just take your concern and, I, and, and we will, we will put that in our, in our report back to the government, a concern that additional benefits, be wary that as additional benefits might come, that it not, um, uh, tri trip a trip wire that causes additional taxation to erode any of that benefit. So I'm, I'm going to make note of that and make sure that that's considered as we do our deliberations and we consider what we recommend to the government. But fair point that you've raised with us tonight. Oh, and it is on your website. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ernie, for your for your concerns. Uh, we do have a question for Mary that comes from Brad online. Uh, concerning the calculations, lots of young Albertans put into the CPP and very few withdraw from it. Uh, is this because working Albertans return to their home province upon retirement and withdraw from it? Uh, thank you for your question, Brad. Uh, People do move about, but one of the things about Alberta is that uh, we have more young people putting in than people retiring. Um, that is is uh, what's creating a, um, a surplus for Alberta uh, rather than they retire to another place, uh, which they may do. But the fundamental numbers are people are putting in and uh, we have fewer retirees taking out. I hope that answered your question, Brad. Thank you, Mary, for that answer. Uh, we do have a, a live caller here, uh, Roger and Red Deer. Uh, go ahead, you're live with Jim and the panel. Yes, the Premier quoted a number of what Alberta might be entitled to as a share of the CPP. And I'm hesitant to repeat the number as it seems entirely unrealistic and it seems like misinformation. But that number, I believe, was 53%. Now, anyone outside of the Alberta government who has heard this number finds it completely infeasible. Yet that number is now out there and it's a point of information that people refer to. Jim Dinning, in his opening comments tonight, said that this is a debatable number. People have differing opinions. He also said that we should have an adult conversation around this topic. Yet, how are we supposed to have an adult conversation when we don't have accurate numbers? And in fact, we have such a laughable starting point as 53%. Thank you for that, Roger. And I will ask uh, Jim to respond to your comments. Roger, thank you. Um, and you're, we're looking at numbers on pages 48 and 49 of the report. And, and while the, the, the math seems implausible, and I must admit I was gobsmacked when I saw the number, but if I, I did a calculation of, of the first column and the second column on that page, on those two pages, 
And if you do the math, it shows that over the period 56 years from 1966 to, to 2018, 2020, 2020, let's say, that Albertans, not the government or anybody else, but individual Albertans and their employers contributed X amount of money and the benefits were paid to Albertans, whereas another number. And the difference between the two was 60, 60, 60 billion dollars of contributions by Albertans into the CPP. And, and the, the, the wonders of compound interest applied to that $60 billion line by line over 55, 56 years. That is the number that came up by the actuarial scientists who did their report. Now, agreed, there's lots of debate about this. I hear your, your, uh, your uh, may I say, disbelief in that number. Uh, we'll make note of continued disbelief in that number. But now the federal government has agreed to ask their chief actuary to come up with her opinion, in this case, uh, her opinion of what that number ought to be. And then, and then the premier said there will not be a referendum uh, called until Albertans know exactly what that number is. But beyond that number, uh, Roger, can I ask you know, what, what, what more do you, are you waiting for a better number? Are you waiting for a more accurate number? Or there are other elements of the plan that you agree or disagree with? Well, first, first I'll respond to your commentary on my question is that I would perhaps say that that's a bad faith argument looking at the historical contributions of Albertans because those contributions were made under the principle that they would be divided in a CPP plan nationally. To go back and say, historically, we've paid more, therefore we can now extract 53% of the CPP is disingenuous, frankly, because it belongs to all of Canada. That's the nature of the fund and we paid into it. To go back and claim that historically we've paid more is a bad faith argument. I could make an equally ridiculous argument and say all the resource wealth based in Alberta, the oil, the mining, the timber, it's all on indigenous land that we colonized. Aren't they entitled to everything? Is that a realistic argument? No, you know, that, that argument never comes up because people don't engage in these kinds of bad faith arguments. And ultimately what you're suggesting is that Alberta can walk in and take 53% of the CPP. And that's the point of my question is nobody is going to agree to that. Just as nobody is going to cede all of Canadian land back to Indigenous people because of precisely these kind of political, political structures that are in place to maximize the wealth of a few at the expense of the many. Sorry, Roger, you made, to give, Roger, Roger you've made some, we made some good points and we'll make note of them. Thank you for your comments. Thank you, Jim. And if you'd like to join this conversation right now or at any time during the town hall, please press star three on your phone and you'll be entered into the queue. For those of you listening online, please enter your comment directly into the portal. We do have a live question from Beverly and Red Deer. Beverly, go ahead. You're live with Moyen in the panel. 
yes. Um, I have, I, I'm just wondering uh, how it's possible that um, Alberta investment uh, company uh, could deliver more stability, security, and return than CPP. I mean, CPP plan has got, they've got more experience. Uh, they've got a greater pool of funds. And uh, they provide support to, across Canada. We all pay into it. Um, and, and mind you, the AIMCO is absolutely our, our uh, investing company has, has always performed worse than the CPP fund. So thinking of it rationally, this is my pension account that you're talking about. It's not the Alberta government's pension money. Alberta did not pay into it. Our my employers did, and I did. Um, so if I look at it rationally, it seems my wisest decision would be to stay with uh, CPP. And um, because for Alberta, uh, there's no guarantee what will be done with the investments. It may be invested in risky uh, in risky places to stimulate the Alberta economy, uh, perhaps in the dying oil and gas field uh, areas. And uh, in the end, as, as the world transitions to other forms of energy around us, we will be left poorer than ever. I would like to know that I have the security of a Canada-wide plan. And I just don't understand how anybody could think that it is more secure to have an Alberta-only pension plan. Those are my comments. Beverly, uh, Mary, do you want to respond to Beverly's comments? Well, thank you, thank you, Beverly, for your comment. And I'm hearing your concern about the whole uh, management and investment process of the fund. And like you, I have been putting into the CPP since I was 15 years old. So it is also my pension. And I, I care profoundly as well about good administration, good investment returns. So before anything happened, whatever vehicle it might be, uh, would have to be set up to ensure that that happened. It wouldn't necessarily at all be IMCO. It very well might be an, a new independent group. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I was right there at the beginning before a single staff person was hired to set up the uh, CPP investment board. So those principles of good management, good oversight are important to me. And we're going to make sure that your comments and uh, concerns are uh, captured in our report. So thank you for sharing that, Beverly. Thank you, Beverly, and thank you, Mary, for your comments. Uh, we do have another live call, your caller here, uh, from Walker and Lacombe. Uh, Walker, you're live with Jim and the panel. Hello, I am uh, curious as to how this would be managed differently in order to ensure that we don't have the same results that Quebec did with their pension fund when they decided to go independently. 
so may I ask the question, Walker, if you're still on the line, hopefully, what is the what is it that concerned you about the Quebec approach versus, say, the Canada Pension Plans approach? The results that Quebec experienced are that their pensioners receive less return for the amounts that they contributed to it than what the CPP does currently in Canada. So why would this concept be any different? And and would you want it some direction or pre, that must be prescription or prescribed that if there was an Alberta pension plan, that it would not operate under the Quebec model where the the um, case to depot is it has effectively, may I use the, the term usually, a, a Quebec uh, file or a Quebec uh, division where those funds can be invested in economic development projects in Quebec. You, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you would say that should not happen with an Alberta pension plan? My question is, what are those things that could cause it to be like that? I agree. We shouldn't be investing in the economy with our own pension plan. Right. Absolutely, right. We should not. So, be. so, yeah. So, what you're saying is, you'd want, you'd sort of want the same legislation that Mary talking about the secureness and, and uh, Beverly talking about the assurance that the Canada pension plan gives to you today. That you, what you're saying, may I try this on you? Would you want the same? A prescription that's in the Canada Pension Plan legislation to be effectively copied and pasted into an Alberta Pension Plan legislation if it was to go forward? That's an attractive option, but that means we'd end up with the same thing we already have. Therefore, what would be the purpose of making a change? Well, uh, do you see it? You don't see the, any other benefits at all. May I just try this one on you? If if that if those funds were the the decisions about where those funds were invested were in fact made in Alberta, as opposed to made may I say in Toronto where CPP's head office, the investment board's head office is. If those decisions were made by an Alberta appointed investment manager. Who invested those dollars globally, not just in our backyard, but around the world, like CPP does today? Um, with with those rules in place, do you see a benefit for that happening in Alberta by an Alberta investment manager? The answer to that is no. The results from Inco, who does that for Alberta today, are not superior to the other returns. That would be right. my position. So, so your, con your, your concern is that if it's in the hands of AIMCO, you would not want that. But if there was a separate independent body, not AIMCO, say, uh, would, would you find that acceptable? Question? No. If the government okay. of Alberta is unable to create that kind of capability with an ANCO, how would they create that capability in another entity? Yeah. So, 
So look, can I just put you down as somebody who says, no, we're not prepared to take that risk. It should be stay with the CPPIB. Is that what you're saying? I think based on what I've heard tonight, absolutely. Okay, thank you. We've made note of it, sir. Thank you very much, Jim, and uh, thank you to Walker for your call. Uh, we have an online question from Ellen for Mary. Uh, it's a two-part question. Uh, the first part is, what happens if I move out of, out of Alberta, and how does it work if I move to Alberta 10 years ago, but then leave Alberta when I retire? Thank you, Ellen. Um, the current model would be repeated in that uh, where you put your money in um, when you move, that money would follow you and track you. So if you've been here in Alberta for 10 years and you move to another province, that your funds would uh, follow you completely. So there would be no difference than what currently happens with mobility with the CPP. Thank you for that, Mary. Uh, we have a live caller here uh, from John and Pinoka. John, go ahead. You're live with uh, Mary in the panel. Hi there. Thanks for uh, uh, hi there. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I see the federal government using CPP to fund their uh, priorities all the time. Um, I would point to Trans Mountain Corp as the example. Um, it has gone way over budget. I think the boots on the ground are saying that it's 50 billion before it's all said and done. Done, uh, it's, and that's because of complete government incompetence and allied special interest groups. Um, after which now they're talking about selling it and they're going to be lucky to get 40 cents on the dollar. Uh, essentially, that's like investing your client's money in your own company, then selling it when the stock dips 60% and patting yourself on the back claiming that you have done a good job. Um, this is the basis for my question, which is what protections can you offer Albertans in the form of legislation or otherwise against the current and future governments for their pensions not to be used as a slush fund to fund political, politically expedient or ideologically motivated agendas. And then as a follow-up, have you considered going to the private sector in order to manage this fund? Uh, Jim, how about I take a, a shot at this? Um, none of Trans Mountain Pipeline has been funded from the CPP funds at all. Zero funds have come from the CPP to Trans Mountain. That money uh, has come from the government of Canada directly to, to that group. Uh, in terms of using private uh, investment groups, that is a very uh, essential part of any fund. And you're absolutely right, John, in that uh, the current CPP model has uh, private groups that they uh, engage to manage their investments, as does Ontario Teachers and AIMCO and any pension group. So there's a mixture of internal people, but a huge percentage, but a percentage of it is uh, given to uh, external private groups. Thank you for that, Mary. Uh, we do have a live question as well from Peter in Parkland County. Peter, your go ahead to live with Moyen in the panel. Coming from other provinces, uh, 
I know we've heard already that uh, the uh, calculation was based on the compounded interest on what we had put in and so on. But this is true for all the provinces. So given that Alberta seeks about three and three and a half times the amount that the population would indicate as its share, um, it appears that exercising the same calculations for other provinces will severely curtail that, and also that other provinces will be demanding a proportion that allots a fair deal for everyone, including the workers from the tar sands who uh, return to the Maritimes and expect the CPP from there rather than the APP from here. Um, there are problems associated with any transfer of uh, pension plans, such as a, uh, transferring the investments that are from all parts of the world that are currently in the CPP that would have to be transferred somehow to the APP. So my question is, why would we, as Albertans, uh, why would we ask that the, AP, that the APP be a consideration? Why would Alberta persist in separating from a stable Canada pension plan and form a very questionable Alberta pension plan? Peter, if I may, uh, the, the, the rationale that's spelled out in the report, remember that's what we're engaging with Albertans and you and other Albertans on, is that during that 56 years, Albertans and Alberta employers have, um, have contributed to the Canada Pension Plan to the tune of effectively $60 billion more than uh, than uh, than has been paid out, and it's like somebody said to me today that if if Alberta, if you thought of Alberta as a single person, and that over let's just simplify it and say I, they they put a hundred dollars into their pension plan, expecting that they'd get a hundred dollars out, and the concern is that that if if Alberta was a single person that over that 56 years, that, 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 that single Alberta person has put in 50, almost $60 billion more than, 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 than has been taken out. And that is, that is part of the argument that's spelled out in the, the Morneau-Chapelle report. But what I hear, you, am I, do I write in here and you say, no, in fact, that's gone into the pension, Canada pension plan and Albertans have no more call on that over contribution. I think my voice has been New cut Brunswick. out. I'm asking about, does this take into consideration the amount that have been paid out as pensions over time? Um, you cannot compound yes. interest on yes. amounts that disappeared. No, you're, you're absolutely right, sir. But... But if you look at the in the report, and I, I, on pages 48 and 49, there is a column of contributions over each year, and there's a column of benefits paid each year. And yeah. the difference between those two is $60 billion over 56 years. So, Albertans, you're correct. Have Go ahead, My I'm sorry. is in mathematics. I've got a little bit of experience in uh, in accounting in the past, but you know, the uh, it's all right to take the possibility that all this money was compounded, uh, the interest was compounded over the years, 
but the compounding of that must take into consideration the fact that some of this some of this money did not go in because it was being paid out and therefore could not be compounded right. so we have to yes. take out the compounded interest on the amount that was paid out as well the, the, i don't believe yes, i saw that on pages 48 49 well uh, i i i'll leave that with you sir uh, we all, everybody has of course, always has an interpretation uh, differently than the next person. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why the government has asked the federal government to ask the chief actuary for Canada to come back with uh, th their opinion on what that number ought to be. And once, once that is out, then, then the two governments will, I'm sure, go, uh, will sit down at a table across from one another and hopefully settle on what the number actually will be. But I'm gonna, is it fair to put you, we'll write you down as somebody that's not a believer in the, the number and make sure that the calculation is done in a way that you've just described. And um, are there plans for dealing with the complaints from other provinces when they do similar calculations and find that really everybody needs three and three and a half times as much? Well, uh, I'll, I'll leave that for the other eight provinces. Uh, we're, we're here as part of the Alberta engagement panel, and uh, I'm sure that the other, pro other provinces and their citizens might be saying to their finance minister or premier, uh, what about us? So uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll leave that for them to do that. Perfect. Uh, thank you very much, Jim, and thank you to the panel for your responses. We have a live question here from Charlene in Innisfail. Uh, Charlene, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Charlene, go ahead. Charlene, can you unmute yourself, please? Actually, somebody was supposed to ask the same, but I had to say for me. <laughs> Oh, my apologies. I can ask your question here for you then if you'd like. Uh, sounds good. So uh, this question will be uh, for, for Moyen then. Uh, Charlene is all for the Alberta Pension Plan, happy for bringing control back to Alberta from the federal government, uh, and happy to have a government uh, to fight for Alberta's rights. Can you just comment a, a little bit on the process for bringing back the Alberta Pension? Uh, yeah, the, the process is spelled out in the uh, CPP Act that if a province wishes to exit, then two things. It gives notice to the, uh, uh, the finance, federal finance minister, and then that triggers a three-year process of withdrawal. And the withdrawal will be done according to a formula that's spelled out in uh, Section 113 of the CPP Act. So, uh, you know, the, the formula was contemplated just in responding to some of the previous callers who said, you know, we're kind of doing a counterfactual, notwithstanding that we are doing a counterfactual. The, the counterfactual was contemplated in the Canada Pension Plan Act when it was uh, set up and amended over the years. So uh, the process is in line with what is in the Act itself, and that is that a, a province that wishes to exit and assures the federal government that this province will pay out the same benefits that are existing in the CPP, uh, then we'll have a three-year process to uh, transfer the assets over 
according to a formula that's uh, specified in the CPP Act, which uh, the LifeWorks report took a stab at, uh, which is the discussion that Jim and the previous caller had. Thank you for that, Moyen, and thank you, Charlene, for your question. If you would like to join the conversation right now or at any time during the town hall, please press star three on your phone and you will be entered into the queue. For those of you listening online, please enter your comment directly into the portal. We have a live question here from Brenda in Drayton Valley. Brenda, you're live with Mary in the panel. Hello. Um, yeah. Um, well, one was I wanted to know how much I would get personally from the Alberta pension because next year I turn 65. I know right now the way things are, I can't retire. There is no way I'm going to be able to retire. Okay. And I know that the federal government, uh, they've already told us basically that the pension from them is a benefit to us. Like it's not ours. Like they're giving it to us as a benefit. And it's like, excuse me? So number one, that's one. And two, um, I'd like to know how all of this is going to kind of work out. Like, like, as far as people and pensions and whatnot, right? Like, I know for myself that I want to stay away from uh, Ottawa as much as I can for my pension because I know they're just going to screw me like they screw everybody else because if you die before you're 65, they take it all. You don't get a cent. Nobody does. Your family doesn't. It's, it's, to me, that's wrong. I think that if you've paid it in, then that should be paid to your family. It shouldn't just go to the government. And I do have something to say as far as some of the other people, they were talking about the pensions and how, like, if Alberta's using it to to uh, build more equity in it and stuff, well, Ontario does it all the time, or the Alberta or the federal government. They use our pensions to build equity in, in the pensions. And I know they're investing in Chinese and all these different places. I'd rather invest it into Alberta and Alberta's economy than to invest it into China and other places like that. That's my opinions anyways. Thank you for that, Mary. And I will uh, give the panel an opportunity to respond. Uh, maybe Jim, if I take a first shot at this, uh, for sure. you're right that um, the amount that has gone in is amounts you've paid in off your paycheck and your employer has put in as well. And that is your uh, pension. It's not a benefit someone can uh, uh, give to you. It is actually what you've done and put in and earned. And what we are looking at is the, what the number is of the portion of this that is owned by Alberta, and would there be room with that number to either increase benefits or reduce premiums? So um, that is a, a key part about this. So you're right, it is yours, not a benefit to be conferred upon you. Jim, do you want to add? Yeah, I, I, Brenda raises a whole bunch of interesting points, but one of them is that the, the, when the pension was put in place in 1966, 
it was to design a plan that gave you 25% of, of the five year average of your yearly maximum pensionable earnings uh, in, in the year of, of your retirement. And so it was never meant to fully replace your, your best years of earning. And it was, and the, the threshold of the 25% of the yearly maximum pensionable earning was actually this year, I think is only in the range of about $66,000. And I'm not saying that's a small amount, that's a lot of money, but it was never meant to, to fully replace that uh, 100%, it was meant to give provide for only 25%. There have been some recent tweaks in the plan that would ultimately take it up to 33%. But in the case of Mary, and I think me, uh, it, it would only have covered 25%, and it will only ever cover 25% of those year maximum pensionable earnings. Mary, Mary's addressed. Uh, Brenda's comment about uh, about that it is your it's not a benefit you had you, this is your pension you 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 made it um, as for as for may I say Brenda is it fair to say that rather than investing if if there was an Alberta pension plan that you would want to see some of not all of it but some of that money rather than investing in a toll road in South America you'd be interested in seeing perhaps that money invested on a, on a, on a toll road or an in, some income property in Alberta or in Canada, not just in South America. You want to copy the Yeah, well, that's one. Yes, I'd like to see that. I'd also like it maybe to be invested into, like, the oil in Alberta. I mean, because that would be something that would would benefit everybody and it have a high in like a high return of of money coming into it, right? If that makes uh, any fair point. Yeah, no, uh, Brenda, we will take note of your comment. We appreciate you you letting us know, and uh, uh, and thanks for your comments tonight. Thank you for that, Brenda, and thank you, Jim, and the panel. Uh, we have a live question here from Marilyn. Uh, Marilyn, you're live with Mary in the panel. Uh, it looks like we've lost Marilyn, so I will add, uh, sorry, ask this question to Mary. Uh, since CPP offers disability benefits, will APP offer the same? Any Alberta pension plan would have to equal or be better than existing um, uh, CPP plans. So I, I believe the answer then is, of course, yes, it'd have to be at least as good, if not better. That is part of the law. Thank you for that, Mary. Uh, we have a live question from Steve and Barhead. Steve, you're live with Jim and the panel. Good evening. Um, I'm a Canadian first. Um, and my my major concern, and, and again, I guess it goes back to this 53% number that has been floated around. Um, what happens to the rest of the people in the rest of the country, from the Maritimes right through to the West Coast and to the North? Um, Alberta goes ahead and takes a big chunk of money out of the CPP, and Ontario 
figures, geez, maybe we should do the same thing. And they take a whole bunch of money, a whole bunch of money out of the CPP to set up their own. What happens to the rest of, like, the maritime provinces, the prairie provinces, and everybody else? My comment, leave it alone. It has done well for us. It continues to do well for us. Um, it is for the good of all Canadians that this fund was put in place. Yes, Quebec opted out at their point in time because their economy was booming. Our economy is booming right now, but it could go the other way just as quick, and we have seen that in the uh, not-so-distant past. So again, my major comment, leave it where it is. Let it continue to grow as it has been. Um, the government is not looking after this. It is a private firm. Uh, this is not government money. It's money that I paid in and my employer paid in. Um, and, I, and again, I don't see the right to where um, the government of Alberta can just reach in and take this cash. Thank you. Steve, thank you for your comments. We've made note of them. You're, you're not alone. Others have expressed the same point of view. So we have made note of your comments. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, Jim, for your comments. Uh, we have a live caller from, sorry, from Entwistle. Angela, you're live with Mary in the panel. Please go ahead. Hi, um, uh, my question is, again, I, it's been already discussed. Um, I guess as pensioners, I'm not a pensioner myself, but my husband uh, passed away last year. And so I'm now currently getting his CPP payments, I guess, as survivor benefits. And my two minor children are receiving orphan benefits federally. My concern is if we go APP, um, what does that mean for someone like me who, you know, was a stay-at-home mom and didn't, hasn't worked for over 10 years now working um, to pay the bills? But, I mean, my reliance on that survivor and those orphan benefits are crucial. And I guess my concern is with an Alberta pension plan, would that change? Would they decrease? Uh, I don't really care if they increase, but I prefer them to stay the same and not decrease. And I guess it's just a, a security thing. It, I'm, first of all, it's Mary here, and I am so sorry for your loss uh, and for your children's loss. Uh, I, too, am a widow, and I receive uh, survivor benefits from the CPP, and they have been very important to me. So I understand that is a very uh, big issue for you. Um, any new plan would have to be at least as good as existing benefits, which means Orphan benefits, survivor benefits would have to be at least as good, if not better. So that would be, uh, that is part of the law of any new plan that would come out. So if I can give you some reassurance for that. <clears throat> and again, I am deeply sorry for your loss. Thank you for that, Mary. And, and thank you, uh, thank you, Angela, for your question. Uh, we have a live question here from Alan in Lloydminster. Uh, Alan, you're live with Mary in the panel. Hello, everyone. I, I want to thank everyone for their thoughts and their answers. 
Um, I really appreciate having a chance to speak to all of you. I I do feel that I um, I'm very much um, interested in, in in an Alberta pension plan. I think uh, if you look at the fiscal responsibility of Alberta versus what's happening federally, I, I have a lot more faith in what we do in this province than I, I do else, elsewhere in this province. Um, my questions are this. I've been cont uh, contributing for over 40 years and I'm nearing my 60th birthday in, in the beginning of next year. And I want to understand how, if I start uh, taking my early withdrawals from my Canada pension at 60, what happens in the transfer when it occurs, when it's, it's already started, if we switch over to an Alberta uh, pension plan? What, Alan, thanks for this. Um, if, if there was a decision made to, to proceed with an Alberta pension plan, on, on day one, the province would become, I'm sorry, the Alberta pension plan would become responsible for all of the benefits that you're currently receiving. And as Mary has said earlier, they would have to be the same as they are uh, as they are at that very moment, or better, the assurance that Alberta would have to give to Ottawa is that the benefits would not change except to be improved. So uh, if you if you made that decision next year, and then and the and if an Alberta pension plan was approved and it came into being in say 2027 or 2028. Alberta would have to adopt exactly what is currently being, being and take responsibility for paying exactly what you're receiving today. So ideally, it would be seamless. Can, you know, I know something about administration, both in my own household, in, in business and in government. It's not perfect. So I won't stand here and guarantee perfection but the way the plan would be designed to work is that you would continue to receive the same benefits or more. Thank you for that, Jim, and uh, thank you, Alan, uh, Alan, for your question. Is there any, Alan, did, did we answer your question? Was there, any, was there another question you had, Alan? I think, unfortunately, we, okay, we lost Alan. Sorry. No problem. We do have a, another caller here, Penny in Red Deer. Penny, go ahead. You're live with Jim and the panel. Thanks for taking my call tonight. Um, I have a, a que question about um, just a lot of concern. It seems like people are very worried about the existing pension plan and what's going to happen to their pensions and whatnot. But um, I don't trust the federal government. <laughs> and I still have a ways to go before my retirement and I, I don't I don't like the idea of you know cutting off my nose to spite my face, so I'm just like I I just I want I want out of this CPP thing, whether we go all APP or my get I guess my question is, is it possible to kind of do um, maybe some other options like exit the CPP on a go forward basis and leaving what's in there for people to have, um, 
kind of like diversifying with a new portfolio and or be offering um, giving Albertans a choice to choose if they want to invest in a CPP or an APP on a go forward basis. And um, and then I, I guess I was reading the news and and the, a third question kind of come up now. Um, like I'm 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 curious to what extent do uh, unions um, have an influence on what's going to happen to our pension plans? It's it's my pension. It's not the union. I I understand that they're you know paying paying contributions as well, but ultimately it's Albertans that should decide, not unions. And then um, I also had a, a comment that uh, this federal government, I they they just can't be trusted. Um, I I can I can totally see them because I've heard this idea floating around that they're going to um, they could possibly introduce legislation that would force um, force investment plans like the CPP to s- strictly choose woke green uh, investments. So um, I just like like to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Thank you. Moin, is there any part of that, the comments um, from Penny that you would like to address or Mary? Well, I, I would just say that, you know, the, the Penny's sentiment is some of the sentiment we heard during the first round of consultation in the Fair Deal panel and uh, some of the sentiment we've been hearing in the town halls, uh, some of the sentiment that we've been hearing in the town halls so far. Uh, the issue, uh, just a small comment about the unions, I suspect uh, she might be referring to the unions with corporate pension plans as opposed to the CPP itself. Um, I, I'm not aware of unions having a say in uh, how CPP is paid out, so I suspect she was uh, referring to uh, maybe other uh, pensions, uh, private pensions or government pensions uh, above and beyond the CPP. And in terms of uh, a mandate uh, to go green or uh, invest in specific things. Uh, there is, uh, there's always a uh, uh, musings. Uh, the, the CPP uh, IB website has, uh, when you open it, uh, its lead story or its lead item is uh, how to go to net zero. There's, there's no legislation that has been implemented yet, but there is a bill in the Senate. Uh, uh, seeking that whether that would pass or not, that's a different issue. But uh, so, you know, the Penny's comments are, or concerns are valid on that front. Um, and then uh, I think those are my comments on that. Mary, is there anything you want to add? Nothing to add. Thank you, Penny. Okay. Thanks for your comments, Penny. Uh, the, 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 the funny thing about the CPP, or if there was an Alberta pension plan, one thing that is that for Canadians, it's mandatory. The, the law says that you are a, 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 a contributor to the Canada Pension Plan as an employer or and as an employee. That's mandatory. There's no choice. So, in fact, if, if Alberta were to assume the responsibilities for Albertans, then that same mandatory requirement would be in in place. So there isn't there there isn't in fact a choice. But we've 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 listened to your comments. We've made note of them, and uh, we'll make sure they're captured in our report. Thank you, Penny. 
Thank you, Penny, and uh, thank you to the panel for your comments. Uh, we have a live question from Pat in Rimby. Pat, go ahead. You're live with Mary in the panel. Good evening. This has been a very interesting session. Um, I agree with the gentleman from, I believe it was Barfit. I am a Canadian also. Uh, I believe in Canada as a whole. And as a whole, we need to support each other right from one end to the other end. Um, I have a question about people that, tra uh, I don't know if you call them transient or not, but they get jobs in other provinces, not necessarily move to that province, but are uh, sometimes they're seasonal workers. Sometimes they just have to go get a job somewhere to earn money. Uh, what hap Which pension would they be paying into if they leave Alberta to go to work at another province or come from another province to work temporarily in Alberta? Which pension would they be paying into? Mary, would you like to address that for Pat? You bet, um, Pat. You pay into the pension in the province where you are working. And um, therefore, there's going to have to be a formula, much like Quebec has to do, which says, if you work in Quebec and then leave Quebec, uh, how, how will you get uh, that portion of the money? So it would be a calculation that tracks where people work and live. So that's going to be uh, an important part of what is existing in place and would have to be uh, continued. So Pat, let me just add to that. If somebody comes from Fort, from to Fort McMurray from Newfoundland and works there for 10 years and then goes home to Newfoundland and retires, and and there's an and they've been contributing to the Alberta plan if it was in place, then they would move back to Newfoundland and they would actually. Where, where they retire triggers where they're going to receive their pension. And, and that would have to, those funds would effectively be transferred from the Alberta account to the Canada Pension Plan account so that that person's time in Alberta, work time, and the benefits they've earned in Alberta would show up in their, in their Canada Pension Plan when they retire in Newfoundland. Is that helpful, Pat? Sorry, Pat, go ahead. You're still on the line. What if they only work six months at a time? They don't move for 10 years. They're just here temporarily or vice versa. Right. right. So the fact is that you have, whoever runs the, the plan wherever they're living has to make sure that they're that wherever they retire, that their service, whether it was in Alberta under an Alberta plan or in Quebec under a Quebec plan, where they retire triggers where they're going to receive their benefits. And if that's the case, they retire in Newfoundland, they'd receive CPP. And, and CPP would be reimbursed by the Alberta plan and by the Quebec plan for the six months of service that they work there, either in year one or two or three or 10 years, if they work six months for 10 years, 
that is qualified service that the, the Alberta would transfer, Alberta Pension Plan would transfer those assets to the CPP so that their pension is whole and there's there are there's nothing that they're not shortchanged when they retire. Thank you for that, Jim, and uh, thank you to Pat for your comments. We have a question from Ben uh, online. I'm a young Albertan. Why should I care about leaving or staying in the CPP, and how can I expect this to affect me in 40 years from now? Uh, I'll direct that question to Jim to start, and we can. Uh, Moyne, is there? Would you like to take a stab at that, Moyne? Well, I mean, it's uh, in in some ways uh, you should be uh, concerned uh, more about this than uh, uh, people who are um, receiving or soon to be receiving their CPP pension, because as we uh, mentioned before, the CPP Act mandates that any province exiting has to provide the same level of uh, benefits that the CPP provides currently. So current uh, pensioners uh, or soon to be pensioners will uh, receive by law what the CPP provides. The question is in 40 years, where is the CPP IB going to be? Where's the uh, CPP, the Canada Pension Plan going to be? And where would an uh, equivalent Alberta Pension Plan be? And so that's the, uh, the question that uh, folks like yourself, uh, Ben, need to be concerned about. Um, Based on forecasts and based on current data, it looks like an Alberta pension plan could, if it received the right transfer, uh, provide uh, lower uh, the premiums and higher benefits or a mix thereof of the two, which would have long-term consequences in terms of economic performance. If you had lower uh, premiums, then employers didn't have to pay as much. They could employ more people. So there would be economic benefits there that could also then have feedback effects and generate higher returns for the Alberta pension plan. But of course, this is all, you know, forecasting. And, uh, but uh, folks like yourself in some ways are more affected by this than uh, folks who are about to receive pensions or uh, have received because their pension is guaranteed by law. And it's in some ways tied to what the Canada pension plan pays out right now. Thank you for those comments, Moya. Uh, we do have another live caller here. Uh, we have Ray in Wildwood. Ray, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my comment to start with is that uh, between the Alberta government, the federal government, and I've heard it already tonight, that nobody trusts what the federal government is doing so how can we guarantee that the federal government would even give us any money back if we re, if we separated? And then my second thing is, is if we did go to an Alberta pension, how can we guarantee that 10 years down the road, even five years down the road, with the investments or whatever that, that the Alberta government does, they come back to us and say, oh, well, uh, it failed. We got no money. Uh, we're done now. Your pension has either disappeared or cut in half. Like, it's already in history. Like, and the teachers and that is a private pension plan. But they did that. They, they oh, we got to get a better thing. So they've done private investments and all that stuff. The bottom fell out of the market. Now the teachers are getting half and even less. 
than what they were if they would have stayed with the original pension. And that's my question and my comment for tonight. And I am looking forward to hearing your comments. Uh, I can just uh, take a stab at the first part, and maybe Jim uh, or Mary can take a, uh, a track on the second one. Um, so because there is a process spelt out in the Canada Pension Plan Act that outlines how a, any province wishing to exit can exit, uh, and also that process includes a formula that's uh, spelt out in the Canada Pension Plan Act, there is a legal uh, requirement, therefore, that if Alberta gives notice and says we want our share of the uh, assets to come back to Alberta, there is a legal requirement on the federal government to honor uh, that formula. If the federal government uh, comes up with a number that doesn't match what the Alberta government thinks is the number, then I suspect the process will be just like any two partners in a partnership who are having uh, a disagreement over how much uh, joint account, how much, what share of a joint account is uh, partner ones and partner twos, uh, this will end up in court. Uh, so the process would be that uh, the province or the feds would take the other one to court. Uh, there are many mechanisms for doing so, and so I, I will get into the details of that, but ultimately a court would have to decide which interpretation matches uh, which, uh, or which number um, comes out of the proper interpretation of the formula in the act. So that would be the, the legal process and the ultimate process for deciding uh, how Alberta gets its uh, share from the federal government. Um, uh, Jim, maybe you can comment on this second or Mary. I, uh, I, I would just comment on the teacher's pension plan. There's been lots of debate and discussion about about the management uh, through uh, and putting it over to AIMCO. Um, but let's be clear, teachers receiving their pensions today are receiving their full eligible pensions. There's, there's, there is no connection between this discussion or any other discussion and what teachers have, have contributed to, paid for, and are now receiving or about to receive. The teacher's retirement fund is sound, it's intact, and paying its full uh, platform of benefits uh, for retired teachers and will continue to do so for teachers coming up to retirement. So there's, is, there is not an issue on that front. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Moyen, for that. Uh, we do have about 10 minutes remaining in our call this evening, so we're going to try and get to as many questions as possible. Uh, we have a caller here, Lori, live in Wetaskiwin. Lori, you're live with uh, Mary and the panel. Hi, yeah. Um, I guess more or less I'm echoing what Steve said. Um, I'm a Canadian. I served in the Canadian military. And um, I'm having a tough time with coming around to how this is going to work because I, I look at it that if we take as much as they claim, as the government here claims we have a right to, what happens to the rest of Canada? What happens to their pension plans? Because I have relatives all over Canada. I have friends all over Canada. And my parents had friends all over Canada. And, and what happens to all their pensions? Are they just lost? Are they gone because they can't afford it or they get cut in half? 
I mean, again, uh, like the lady said, we're Canadians, and the whole point of the pension plan of, of a person with a good job paying a little more and a person with a bad job paying a little less is when you get to 65, everybody's the same. We all still got to eat. We also got to pay the power bill, and everybody gets a share. And that was the point of the ZPP when it was created, and I don't understand why anybody wants to tear it down. It's this me, me, me society that we live in. That, uh, how much do I get? What, what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for us? Thank you, Warriors, for that question. And I'll, uh, I'll pass that to, uh, to Jim or Mary for the panel. I'd just say, Laurie, thanks, thanks for your comments. We've taken, uh, we've taken note, and we appreciate you calling in tonight. Thank you for that. We have a question that comes in from the online portal here from Dwight in Drayton Valley. Uh, when will the referendum happen? happen? And I'll ask Moyen to, to respond. Well, the referendum, so the referendum was a recommendation of the Fair Deal Panel to the government of Alberta that if they chose um, after conducting a study and con further consultations to proceed with this, that that should be the mechanism by which uh, the provincial government uh, proceeds because there was a feeling amongst the panel that this is a, a, a momentous decision and that all, all Albertans should be involved in making that decision, as you, you can hear from the range of opinions uh, tonight and in other town halls. So mechanically, how that would happen is that uh, Jim's, uh, Mary and myself will, after hearing the comments, will submit a report back to the provincial government outlining the concerns recommendations uh, based on what we've heard uh, the, the the sorry the provincial government and then the provincial government will um, I assume for engage further in some uh, study and, and in discussion amongst themselves and if they feel that there's enough uh, support and enough uh, safeguards that they can assure Albertans of in setting up a provincial pension plan then they would go ahead uh, with a referendum um, that is my understanding but I can't speak for the provincial government uh, of course it's up to them how they wish to proceed. But just based on what the Fair Deal panel had recommended and based how sequence of events are taking place uh, subsequent to that, I suspect that once our report is uh, sent back in, and perhaps also once a number comes back from the Canada Pension Plan Chief Actuary, uh, which is what the Premier has said uh, she's waiting for, uh, then there would be more information for the provincial government to proceed but uh, so you know it could be uh, anywhere from a year to two years from now depending again on how sequence of events uh, transpire but that's just a guess thank you for that morning we have a live caller uh, in greg from thorsby greg you're live with jim in the panel hi thank you hi thank you can you hear me Yes, yeah. Hi, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. My question is, how long will it take for the APP to be implemented so that Albertans will see the benefit from it, the benefits from it that you claim there will be? Because I feel like we have more pressing concerns that our provincial government should be focusing on, like you know that will have more of an immediate effect on our pocketbooks, like grocery prices, utilities, gas prices, housing problems. And if I can get a little uh, 
you know emotional here. The, the the people in this province and this in this in this country are, are are starving for our politicians to to represent us with honesty and integrity, and and, and for them to have the courage to do what is right. And uh, it's you know we're thirsty for it, and so many of us just want our government to 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 lead and 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 govern responsibly and, and we just feel that so many politicians in this day and age have 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 lost um, you know the importance of of their role in our world i I hope that makes sense I don't know. Um, just Greg, we sure hear your comments, and times are tough for people, times are tough for everybody, and we all need to make sure government uh, is thinking about that. In terms of timing for this to be implemented, this is a ways off. There's a number of steps that have to occur. First of all, there has to be an agreed-upon number. There has to be a referendum, and then there'd be time to actually set up the admin and investment process. So none of this is imminent. If that um, gives you some comfort, there's a lot of study and uh, steps to be taken in a very, very thoughtful way. And uh, I appreciate your, your, your comments, Greg. Thank you for that, Mary. And we have time for just a few more callers this evening. Uh, let's go live to Joanna in Red Deer. Joanna, you're live with, oh, we, I think we've lost her. So uh, I will read her question. Uh, will you guarantee the APP uh, will be managed effectively? And I'll ask Mary to answer that question. Well, and and I also handed over to Moyen, but uh, the the guarantee is the legal process that would be required to set this up is extremely important. It's laid out for what has to happen for any province to leave and that there has to be a process to ensure the benefits are at least as good, if not better, and premiums are at least what they are or or less or some combination thereof. So that would be the, the guarantee, if you will, in terms of a legal process. Moyen, I think you might be in better place to answer that as well. Well, no, I, I, I agree. That's uh, exactly at the CPP Act says that any province wishing to exit uh, has to essentially provide the same level, uh, at least the same level of what the CPP benefits are. Uh, and then it's up to the province that chooses to exit how to uh, manage uh, that in terms of whether they want to charge lower premiums or higher benefits or a combination thereof. Um, and I think uh, perhaps what uh, Joanna might also be asking about is how to the management of the APP assets. And uh, that uh, could come from a variety of sources, depending on how the feedback that we're getting. Um, most of the feedback seems to be concerned about political interference and so one approach, and that's the discussion Jim had with an earlier caller, which is to enshrine in the legislation setting up the Alberta Pension Plan Investment Board Act, or or whatever it will be called, uh, a mandate that they maximize returns um, without taking on new risk, similar to what's in the uh, Canada Pension Plan Investment Board Act. 
so that uh, the Alberta Pension Plan is also managed in a uh, similar uh, revenue or profit-maximizing manner. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, we do have time for a couple more questions here. Uh, Cheryl writes in online, will APP replace CPP or also include OAS and GIS? Uh, Mary, if we could uh, direct that question to yourself. So your question is, uh, would APP replace all those items? And the answer is it would uh, only replace those elements uh, currently in the CPP. Those others would remain with the Government of Canada. Moyen, do you have anything to add on that? Uh, no, that's my understanding. OAS is administered uh, separately and it's um, a federal government initiative. And my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that it's a pay-as-you-go, not um, there's no uh, investment fund that has assets for OAS. My understanding is just funded out of general revenue. So that would stay separate and with the federal government. Thank you for that. And we have time for one more caller this evening. Uh, Bruce in Red Deer. Bruce, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Go ahead. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to make a note that there's been so much negativity about this and everything else, but uh, I worked for 55 years uh, paying in a Canada pension plan, uh, including a career with the military. Uh, I came out to Alberta while well, I was back and forth in Alberta, but uh, I worked for um, PSPP. Uh, through the Public Service Pension Plan in Alberta. And it turns out that for 10 years of paying into PSPP is just under $200 less than what I receive from Canada Pension. So I would rather invest my money here. Well, thank you well, for that. Uh, Bruce, Jim, sorry, Bruce, go, sorry, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a, I'm just, thanks for your comments tonight, Bruce. And, Congratulations on 55 years of contribution to the CPP, including your service in the military. Thank you for, uh, thanks for your service. Excellent. Well, that uh, concludes our, our uh, sorry, our telephone town hall this evening. Uh, before we finally conclude, I'd like to invite Jim Dinning, chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel to share a few closing remarks. Well, uh, thank you, Colin, and thank you for guiding us this evening, and to everybody who, who listened in, and to all of you who were able to put your comments online or have your questions asked live or, or by Colin, thank you. Uh, th this, this process is all about us uh, doing as much listening as we can, whatever informing or educating we can do about what's in the report we try to do with a, with a minimum of words and let the, let you speak for your views for, so that we know where Albertans stand. And we had, we had a number of callers tonight, but we had, by my count, about 25 uh, live or live callers and um, comments. And thank you. You know, that's just, it's just helpful for us to complete our report knowing where Albertans stand. We heard a, a mix of, of both those who want to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, they're strongly Canadian uh, and don't want uh, to, to reverse what uh, the CPP has done. And then there are others who are still on the fence and others who say they, they want it changed. So 
we're hearing from all sides and all issues have been uh, raised tonight and, and we've tried to address them or, or certainly make note of your concerns. Uh, thank you to Mary and Moyne for participating and once again, responding to questions and comments. And um, we're going to uh, reflect on what we've heard in these, now, these, town, these five town hall meetings and decide on next steps. And you'll hear from us uh, in the days ahead. So again, thanks to everybody for, uh, for being with us this evening. Thank you to Jim and thank you for the panel for hosting tonight's telephone town hall. If you have comments that you'd like the panel to hear, you can email the panel at comments at albertapensionplan.ca. Again, that's comments at albertapensionplan.ca. To find out more about the Alberta Pension Plan, I encourage you to visit albertapensionplan.ca. Again, that is albertapensionplan.ca. Thank you for joining us. Have a great evening.